month, our, uh, if you haven't checked into Facebook, um, check in now. All the check-ins would help to provide a, a week of cleaning, drinking water to a family in need. Um, we provided 16 pairs of shoes the past month um, during our check-ins, and overall, the whole campaign raised 10,585 pairs of shoes. So. so being here, checking in, showing people that, that, that God's word is important, that God is important, that you have faith, and these are all little things that, that the world sees. And as you'll find out in my message today, that little things that we do have great impact. Last time I spoke, uh, I called everybody here a loser <laughs> because I really know how to make friends. But um, I, I, I looked at humanity as being a bunch of losers because we were given the earth. We were given rain over the earth. We were to tend it. We were to love it. And we had fellowship with God. We, we were intimately involved with God. And we, when I say we, we're talking about the first man and the woman. And if any of us were that first man and the woman, we wouldn't have done anything differently. None of us are any better but they, they disobeyed, they sinned. They broke that relationship and they lost their spiritual life. They lost the Garden of Eden. They lost so much. So everyone born of man is a loser. But then I went beyond that and I looked at a specific example of Moses um, in the Bible. I looked at how he was born as a slave. I mean, you can't get any lower than that. But he was also born under a death sentence. Any boy born in Egypt uh, to the Jews was to be thrown into the water and drowned. Um, that didn't happen, but he was also... I talked also about, um, in Moses' case and in our case, the Urban Dictionary defines a loser as not just somebody who loses something, but somebody who is not at the top of the social ladder. They're either, they fell off the social ladder, they, they, they're way down on the social ladder, or they never climbed up the social ladder. It's the world view that we're talking about there that most of us take the word loser to mean. He's such a loser, you know, he has nothing to offer, he's, he's a loser. And that's what Moses was born at. He was just a babe with nothing to, nothing to offer. But he his life changed. He got taken out of the water by Moses, I mean, by Pharaoh's daughter. He, he was raised in, in royalty, and he, he climbed that social ladder as the world looks at it. And then he uh, went out on his own, in his own power, and his own ideas, and he, he murdered an Egyptian because he was beating one of the, the Hebrew slaves. So he, he was born at the bottom, he rose up to the top, and then it all came crashing down when he acted on his own power, and he killed somebody. He became a fugitive, he went running away, and he became a shepherd in some back country that nobody knew about. And that's when God appeared to him and said, now you're ready. Now you're the guy I want to use. You're an absolute nothing. And that was the point that I tried to get last, week, last time that... Uh, God uses losers.
because that's all he has to work with. Like I said, all, man, all mankind, we're all losers. Now, we are like Moses. We were born under a death sentence. We were born without a spiritual life. We had no real connection with God when we were born. There was, we were flesh and blood, and uh, that's what our, our soul is attached to. There was no spiritual element in our life when we were born. Um, we did what we could to climb up that social ladder. We wanted to look good in the, in the world's view. We did what we tr- thought was best for us, and uh, we were kind of our own gods. This is how, what, how I think it should work, and this is what I'm going to try to do. And, and then we realized that we really screwed up. We don't have it all together. And God humbled us, just like he humbled Moses. He humbled us to know that we are helpless. We can't do it ourselves. We don't have it within us ourselves to, to be what we're supposed to be. And then God opened our minds and our hearts to the gospel. And just like he appeared to Moses in the burning bush and said, you're the guy I want. This is what you're going to do. He gave him promises and he gave him a job to do. He gave him work to do. And God says, you guys are just the guys I need. He's given us promises and he has given us work to do. The the point about Moses, the part about him that I love so much is the Bible says he was the most humble man on the earth. And if you look at his social ladder, his his rise and fall, I mean, you can understand how humble he must have been by all that, humbled by that. But that is an important concept that runs throughout Scripture about man's humility. Humility before God, and to each other. So that was my main point about the loser comments. I know many, probably most of you or all of you, understood what I was saying about being a loser. It's not to put you down and to keep you from doing things. I talked about Micah 6, eight. He said, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The whole point of that walking humbly with God is it's not you're stepping away from God. I'm so bad, such a loser, I can't do anything. It's walking with God. It means obeying God, even though you have no real anything to give of yourself. But God is the one who empowers you. God is the one who gives you the gifts that you have, that he has given you to do something with. So, Moving on from that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, because you are a loser. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. There's nothing we could do to earn the salvation that we have so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word for handiwork here is uh, poema, which is where we get the word poem. Um, If you can see it, hence the guy writing with the fountain pen there. Um, it's It's not like a 
dirty limerick that we're talking about here. We're talking about a poem that's it's a, a masterwork. It's a, it's a beautiful story, and it's artfully done. It's creative, and, and it reveals the author, the author of the poem, his, his vision, his ideas, his, his love, whatever he wants to express. That poem expresses it, and, and he gets the glory. So if we are God's handiwork, we are the created beautiful thing that he's made to express what he wants expressed. His love, his forgiveness, his grace, his anger. I mean, God is not just one emotion. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. There were four words that came to my mind and were just circling and flowing through all I was reading as I prepared this. And faith is one, love is another. <laughs> the third one I just drew blank. Obedience was the fourth. Uh, I'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> but, anyways, um, like we says here, God prepared in advance for us to do works. Um, so therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, the new is here. So we were losers. And we're still losers. But we are empowered, like I said, by God. We have been given gifts. We don't climb the social ladder in the world's view by being servants. That, that's just not the way that the world works. But that's how God's kingdom works. We are servants. We have been given gifts. We have been given jobs. And we are to obey and do those. A friend of mine... An old friend of mine from Massachusetts told me a story of when he was young and he, he accepted Christ and he, he was being told by his, maybe his older brother or something, yeah, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. We're a new creation when we become saved. And he, he went to bed all excited thinking, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And he's this dark curly haired guy. He, he was very disappointed. But the, the, that point is, um, we are not what we appear to be. We haven't changed physically. We haven't become Mr. Amazing by becoming Christ, uh, becoming Christ's um, servant, brother, friend, by becoming a Christian. Vis visibly, we are, we're no different. The world doesn't see us any differently, but it's, it's how we live. It, it's what we do, and it's how we obey that shows the world. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but... Uh, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord. This, this part of the preparing this was kind of blowing my mind a little bit here. His intent was that now, through the church, through you and me, losers that were actually nothing, had nothing to offer, that he decided to change us and make us into who we are now, to ask us to do things, and by obeying, by actually hearing God and stepping out in faith, humbly knowing that we can't really accomplish anything on our own, but just obeying, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. And that doesn't just mean heaven, the angels are going, oh, well done, God, well done. No, it's, it's Satan, it's, it's the demons, it's anybody, any of those rulers and authorities in the spiritual world, they're, they're, being, they're seeing this and God is being um, given glory um, by, by showing through us, his manifold wisdom, that it's not a stupid idea that God picked up losers and started working with them and he's going to change the whole world. But that's his plan. We are his plan. And this is like, the, this means, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I guess I'm going to. This means that whatever we do, no matter what, no matter how small, no matter how unimportant in our own, eye, in our own eyes, or in the world's eyes, whatever we do that's a work that God gave us in advance to do has spiritual and eternal ramifications, meaning that when I say whatever, I mean whatever. If you pray for somebody, that has ramifications. They're seeing the the spiritual forces, whatever they are, are looking and seeing you praying for somebody that you hardly know, and you don't even really know the whole situation around their, their problem, but you're praying for them, and, and that has effects that are eternal. Spiritual is eternal. Maybe here, for example, you're, you're part of the coffee and group. You, you, you work hard making these. They turn into feasts, but you make these... The, the food, you spend money and you spend time and, and you, you bring it in and, and you're stressed because you have to run here and, 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 it, and it's gone right away. It's like nobody even noticed it was there. It was just gobbled up and gone and, and maybe you don't feel like you're getting any thanks or anything and, or you're in the nursery and you're, you're pulling your hair out because it's out of control and, and you feel like this is really making no difference for the kingdom. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. The little things are what God, are important to God. The little things. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Whatever you do to one another here is valuable. It has eternal, like I said, ramifications, consequences. It's, this verse says, you're going to get a reward for that. I don't know what that means. You know, we'll find out eventually. But whatever you do, the food that you bring in for the coffee and or the time you spent 
holding that crying baby or changing a diaper or whatever, whatever little thing you think you're doing here that nobody really notices or cares for. God, the spiritual authorities are watching what's going on here. They see you serving, and it has effects. God has given glory through that. It, this, is, this is reality. This is not some bumper sticker slogan thing. This is really what God is telling us, that your life matters, what you do matters, how you obey matters. And these are just the little things. Now here's where we get to motivation a little bit. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands, and we have his commands, and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I didn't put it in here, but at this point, Judas, not Iscariot, one of the other disciples named Judas, said, Jesus, why are you going to show yourself just to us and not to the world? And then Jesus continued, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. It's almost like Jesus blew him off, said, keep your stupid question yourself, but he didn't. It says here, Jesus replied. So as he continues what he's talking about, he's actually answering Judas's question. Why aren't you showing yourself to the world? And Jesus says, anyone, meaning you and me, who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And they, you and I, will reveal Jesus to the world. That's our job. By obeying, by knowing what he wants us to do, by doing it and actually living like Christ lived. We have a reciprocal love, you know. First John 4 it says in 19 through 20, we love because he first loved us. So love is the motivation. And it says here, for Christ's love compels us. How much he loves us, what he's done for us, how he's raised us up, how he's given us gifts, how he's given us power, how he's given us jobs to do is encouraging. It has to be encouraging. It can't be anything else or we're not understanding the gospel. It compels us because we are convinced. We understand what's going on. We understand what he did and why he did it. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. As Melody said, we, we live for him. We we don't live for ourselves. We, we live our lives as though Jesus were living it through us. And that is by obedience. <coughs> Excuse me. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, 
Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this, and it sounds like he's saying, unless you have works, you, you can't be saved. But it's exactly wrong. He's actually saying the inverse argument that Jesus gave. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And James is saying, since you're not obeying Jesus, do you love him? Are you saved? Do you have faith enough to do what he's telling you to do? It's the same argument, the same point. And he's not asking you about big things like saving the world. You can't do that. But you can take little steps of faith, little steps of action, little glimpses of grace and mercy. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is a call to examine ourselves how we're living our lives, how we're obeying, if we are obeying. And if we're not obeying, James is saying our faith is suspect. That's, this is a, a real big wake-up call. If you can't even obey God in the smallest little thing, maybe you really don't have the faith that you say you do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is Jesus talking, and it's pretty harsh. It almost sounds like he's saying, yeah, works is what matters, but it's not. The will of the Father is to believe in his Son. And I hope and trust that everyone here does that, but we do have to question our own faith. We have to question our own devotion. We have to question, do we really believe what we say we believe? It's better to do it now and know than to wait and find out, me, whoops, I blew that, no. (laughs) So Jesus is calling us out to put our faith to work. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Again, he said in a story about the kingdom, he's talking about himself, basically, in this story. When he comes back, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did. That means, like I said, the little things, the big things, Whatever you did, you did for Jesus. And that shows your love. That shows your faith. By obedience, Jesus is honored. He knows that we love him by that. And here's the thing. And in fact, as Paul wrote, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. I want to... I do praise God for each one of you here for how you've shown love to to Tony and Roxanne and 
You've really been praying for them, providing food for them. You've been paying their, their back rent. Your, your love is evident, and God is being praised and given glory, and the spiritual realm is just like their mind is being blown because these people, these losers who, who have nothing to offer are, are re- reacting and responding to the love that Jesus had for us, and it's, it's coming out in ways that are selfless and giving, and, and that, is, that is the kingdom. We are the kingdom, and it's happening, and it's happening through you, and I praise God that you guys have a heart that, that you do, that God is, is working through. So God bless you. But it says here, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. You can do it. You are doing it. Take that to heart. Be encouraged. Just, just praise God that he's actually using you for what you're doing. And, and I just, that's it. I'm just so thankful for each one of you, for your love, for him, for for how he's using you and for the gifts he's given you. And uh, just ask you to, to continue to do that. Continue being God's beautiful losers. If I had a Bob Seger song to play now, I would. Beautiful losers, but it doesn't really say what I want it to say. So, But you are beautiful losers. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are just the awesome amazing God who came up with this plan of, of using broken, worthless things to, to build a kingdom with. You, you raised us up from our humble position. You've made us your children. You've given us your spirit as a seal that we belong to you. Nothing can take us <clears throat> from your hands. You've given us a job to do. You've given us work to do to, to expand your kingdom, to, to bring your good news to the world that, that there is a God who loves us, who wants to redeem us, to, to give us a full life. And that is the life that we have now. It, it, it's a joy, the, the joy that we have in this life to, to actually obey you, to, to bless others. What an encouragement it's been, Lord, that you've worked through us in this and help us to help us to keep that faith, to obey you, to love you. Thank you, Lord, again for this beautiful day. Keep us all safe as we travel and do things that we hope to be doing. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.